Honor your partner. Honor your corner. Ladies, grand chain. Swing your opposites. Ladies, grand chain back. Swing your partners, one and all. Sway your sets, here comes the call. Head couples, right and single four. Single left in the middle of the floor. Sashay by your partner, too. Then you honor your partner. Chain the ladies over there. Chain the ladies over. Chain the ladies back again. Then you honor your partner. Head couple single to the left, the side couple swing. Head couples right and left, and the side couples promenade. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode number nine of the Screaming Beaver podcast. I'm your host, Jason Jackson. Our guest on this episode of the podcast is Mr. Sid McCollum. Mr. McCollum is the former phys ed teacher from Pleasant Corners Public School in Vancouver Hill. He helped shape many young athletes, myself included. Uh, He just finished writing a book titled All My Best, From Me to You, a reflection on 30 years of teaching and a lifetime of learning. The book is available for pre-order until April 30th at www.sidmccollum.com. M-A-C, uh, dot reviewshop.ca. So that's Sid McCollum, all one word, dot reviewshop.ca. I'll leave a link to the um, to the website in the show notes below. Uh, they're only going to be printing enough copies for those of you who have pre-ordered the book, so this is a limited time offer. Uh, the proceeds from the book will be going to two charities that are near and dear to my heart. Uh, the first is Event the Kill Sports Club, and the second is the Pleasant Corners Public School Council. Um, so if, uh, if you had Mr. McCollum as a teacher or you're interested in what phys ed was like back in the day, um, this, is, uh, this is a great book for you. Uh, there's a number of local athletes that are profiled in there as well. Um, so it's uh, definitely something that might be worth uh, checking out. And uh, like I said, the proceeds are going to two great causes. So uh, without further ado, here's the interview. All right, I'm here with uh, Sid McCollum. How are you doing today, sir? Doing very well, thank you. Good. Uh, So uh, you're uh, writing a book uh, now, I hear, and it's, it's coming out soon? Yes, the book is called All My Best from Me to You. And uh, right there now, there's pre-orders available on the website, which you will probably move over at some point during our interview. And uh, those orders before April 30th uh, will be available in the first week of June for people to pick up their books. Good. Um, I guess we'll start out with your your early life. where did you grow up? Uh, were you from Back to Kill originally? Or yes, you? I was, yeah. So uh, it's also in, in the book, uh, what I, part of my autobiography, which is what the book is all about. And I grew up in the uh, Sixth Concession, uh, just the southwest of uh, the town of St. Eugene, on a farm, uh, on the Sixth Concession. And uh, the book uh, also will be telling stories about the uh, Sixth Concession, people who lived there, and who I grew up with, and uh, and um, 
what the changes have occurred uh, in over all these uh, over all these years. So yes, I uh, I was born actually in Montreal, but we spent my entire life uh, on a farm. Okay, and uh, so who are some of the the kids you grew up with? Uh, did you? Well, Carol, for, uh, Carol Albright, now Carol Gartner, does the foreword for my book. So, uh, grew up with uh, her at school. Our immediate neighbors were uh, the Moonies, uh, Kay and Eric. And uh, Gerald was about my age. And uh, Heather was actually was actually my age. And Gerald was second. Barry and Arlene and... Karen, <laughs> there were seven of them all together. Oh, geez. And it's not all coming together, but uh, most of the ones that uh, we used to go over there on a pretty regular basis. And uh, Gerald had this uh, beautiful bicycle, and I wanted one just like him. And I ended up getting it for my graduation from elementary school in Barb SS number eight. And I still have that bicycle. So you went to the Barb school? Uh... Yeah, Barb Elementary School. And there were I mentioned in my book there were four students in, in my grade one class, uh, uh, Linda Leroy, uh, Heather Moody, myself, and a boy by the name of Yvonne Brunat, and uh, they later moved to uh, Venture Kill. And I've nev- never been able to follow up on them. But uh, So yeah, our elementary school was about, uh, at the most, around 28 uh, students from time to time. And, uh, it was an enjoyable experience. I had uh, three uh, wonderful teachers, uh, starting off with, uh, as I talk about in my book, my first love, which was my grade one teacher, <laughs> and uh, followed up by uh, Mrs. McLeod from Dunhagen, and uh, followed up by uh, Catherine Smith uh, from from the Saint Jane. So Bob Smith uh, went to one of our classmates as well. And, Brian McVicker lived down the, down the road from us on the uh, sixth concession. And eventually uh, the Williams family moved over and they came to Pleasant Corners and there was a whole bunch of them, Anton and Cosi and Beatrice and Noreen and the ones that ended up going to uh, Barb uh, Public School during the time that I was there. And Anton and Cosi were, were in my grade and we graduated from grade eight uh, together. And uh, the Bernicke family, Robert uh, Bernicke and Raymond Bernicke, uh, were part of our school group. And uh, Leo Bernicke, and I talk about Leo a little bit in the book. Well, I'm not going to talk about <laughs> exactly what that was, but... Uh, yeah, people have to buy the book. Uh, people have to buy the book <laughs> to find out what Leo did that nobody else could do very well. And it was kind of risky, too. So this was a one-room schoolhouse, or was one, it a... One-room schoolhouse. One-room schoolhouse. So you'd have 26 kids in the in the class all learning different things at the, the same time. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell a, I tell a story about... But recess and how I used to look forward to recess, and I'm not sure that I'm going to tell the story right here again. You can uh, read the book yes. about the cowboys and Indians. We used to have a crabapple tree and we fill our, our pockets with crabapples, and the idea was uh, not to get captured, but uh, you'll find out in the book what happened one day when I did get captured. Ah, I see. And what Charlie Albright and a few of the boys, Glenn, Glenn May, and, uh, and uh, Donald Forbes, my cousin. Uh, what happened at that particular time? And, uh, 
I relate that story in the book. Yeah, we had a crab apple orchard at our place, and uh, we we'd always have crab apple wars uh, with myself and the uh, the neighboring kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Dillerush could really throw a crab apple. Uh, <laughs> you, you would hear it coming. Uh, it's a uh, it's a miracle mm-hmm. nobody lost an eye. Um, so uh, after Barb, uh, where did you go to high school? I went to BCI. You went to BCI, yeah. Um, who was the uh, the gym teacher at BCI though, when you uh, arrived uh, there? I mentioned him in the book, of course. Yes. My all-time favorite, Mr. Julian. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, was uh, sports uh, pretty prevalent at VCI at the time? or? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, now I talk about the sports teams at VCI. It's part of my book as well. My journey through uh, Bankley Hill High School, Bankley Hill Collegiate. And, uh, yeah, football in the fall. We played volleyball, but it wasn't a big sport, but we did play volleyball and then uh, track and field in the uh, springtime. And uh, and I did a lot of running. I, I ran track all the way through university. And as you'll find out uh, in my book, that I had a Canadian record at one time. Oh, geez, I wasn't aware of that. Who were some of the better athletes at uh, high school when you were there? Well, there were... A number, and like I mentioned some of them in my, in my book, but uh, once you start mentioning some, you, you're always going to leave some, some out. But I did choose to mention some, such as uh, Michael Hudson, Mike Hudson, and he was uh, he was a savage very as far as I was concerned. And throwing a ball, he could, uh, he was accurate and had a very very strong arm. And we won with uh, with Mike at quarterback. Ian McRae was a different style quarterback. But he was uh, not so much a passer, but he was strong and, uh, and, and a good runner. And uh, Jamie Cunning, he was uh, our big fullback. And you had to be pretty good when he put his head down. You had to be pretty careful because uh, he was uh, a very strong runner. Uh, Jerry Pilon was on the defensive line. Marcel Pilon. Okay. Michel Laferriere. Uh, and then our, our punter, Paul Bruna, and uh, he basically won a championship for us and uh, averaged almost 50 yards a punt, if I recall correctly. You don't hear that very often, a punter winning a championship. Uh, no. no. Final score was 2-1. to one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's a lot of familiar names, uh, Jamie Cunning, and uh, I heard he was pretty intimidating to play against. They had to stop a game once so they could find his eye in the in the mud. Is that uh, is that true? Well, that's one truth, uh, but uh, the one that unfortunately occurred was when uh, he uh, injured another player who tried to tackle him, and uh, he had to be taken by ambulance who were playing with Gary, and uh, I think it was the spleen that oh. had to be removed. Oh, really? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ian McRae is another name you named. Uh, Ian is the uh, longtime junior C hockey coach here, and he, he had a fairly successful hockey career. I wasn't aware that he was also a, a, a decent football player. Oh, yeah, but, he was strong. He was fast. He was a good runner, too. He was a good runner because some of my best runners at Pleasant Corners were kids who had played hockey all, all summer, all winter, and they were in pretty good shape. So, yeah. yeah. And Ian was one of those. He was a sprinter. He was 100 meters, 200 meters, and... He was, he was a very good athlete, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, did you win any championships when you were at uh, VCI? Yeah, or? we won two football championships. 
won our basketball championships. Okay. <laughs> and he played basketball as well, or? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you miss basketball? Of course. Yeah, yes. Of course, we, did. we played basketball. Yeah. And Mr. Julian was our coach. And I relate the story in my in my book, which I guess I can tell. Bryce Renwick at the time, Bryce, Bryce has passed away now. But Bryce uh, Renwick was our tallest tallest player. He wasn't 6'8 or 6'9. He was about 6'4, 6'3, 6'4 tall. And every time we go for a timeout or anything like that, Mr. Dewey would say, uh, boy, sit on the bench. And uh, I don't like anybody looking down on him. <laughs> he wasn't very tall. Mr. Julian was about 5'8", I'd say. So yeah. I always remember telling him, sit down. I don't like people looking down on me. Oh, that's, uh, that's good. Um, so after high school, uh, where did you go to university? University of Windsor. Yeah, Windsor. Yeah, what, uh, what made you decide to go there? Well, me and Michelle Ferriere went together. We were high school people. And we were high school friends throughout uh, high school. And uh, actually, when I, like many kids, I suppose, and you're still young, you're not sure what you want to do. And I applied into journalism at Carleton University. I applied into physical education. I applied to the hydro here in Ottawa, in Vector Hill. For a job, I applied. Uh, no, I had an interview with the uh, with the army. Oh, really? And uh, all those things. So I really didn't know what I was going to do, uh, but I eventually ended up uh, going to uh, the University of Windsor uh, with Mike, and uh, it was a twelve-hour train ride, picking up in Cornwall, and arriving on uh, Walker Road in uh, Windsor, Ontario, that very first. Time we arrived, we got off the train with our baggage and brand new city. And where are we? We walked down Riverside along the Detroit River for about maybe close to an hour carrying our bags when we finally arrived at the campus of the University of Windsor and found our, uh, our new dwelling, which was uh, 919 McDonald Hall. And we stayed there for one year and then we moved on to uh, 24 Huron Hall after that. And then I moved to an apartment with a bunch of guys, two other guys. And then I had quite an experience at Delta Chi Fraternity. Oh. Uh, former, former friend from 919 from the ninth floor of McDonald Hall asked me if I'd like to join the fraternity. And the rates were really cheap. So that was the main reason I joined <laughs> the fraternity. Yeah. To, to my dismay a little bit later on. And we had to go through... Uh, an initiation but that lasted the entire weekend and it was quite the affair yeah. before you were finally accepted as a brother into Delta Chi fraternity. Uh, okay. So my last year was at Delta Chi and then I went to Teachers College at the Queen's University MacArthur College. Oh. And while at the university I, I ran track. At Windsor I ran track for four years but I did not run at, the, at uh, Queen's. Uh, what uh, races did you run? Uh... Mainly the 800 meters. Uh, goodbye. But that was my special meters. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's the hardest uh, race to run because it's too long to be a sprint, but it is a sprint. So uh, I ran I ran eight hundred meters in uh, in high school, and uh, yeah, it was always it was always hard. Yeah. Um, it's a I, tough race. Get through the first four hundred. They say, "Oh, I got another four hundred to go." Yeah, I, I would much rather run the three thousand than the than the eight hundred. 
Yeah, the 3,000 meters. I did run it for occasionally the 5,000 meter races uh, well. And like what you probably are saying is the first number of laps, it's kind of like a nice fun run. And when you get to the end, it's not all that much fun either. Yeah. There's a good part of the race where you would actually say, this is pretty comfortable, this is nice, this is fun. Uh, but uh, when you get to the end, it's uh, still a difficult race, regardless of. Uh, I always thought the sprinters had it the best, the 100 meters. Uh, you finish and that's it. You're not tired, nothing. You yeah. just uh, ran your race and. Uh, and uh, yeah, my, uh, my main rival was uh, from uh, Hawkesbury, and uh, there was nothing I could do to beat him. I would lead the, the race the entire time. And he would pass me at the end, or I would stay to the back the entire time, and I would pass everyone but him. And you know, it really didn't matter which strategy I took; uh, I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't catch him. But uh, he was, he was quite good. He was, he went to Hofstra every year, and um, but yeah, it was, it was always uh, difficult to, to to figure out what's the best, uh, best strategy for. Yeah, I had uh, Victor Brunet from Hawkesbury was a rival, and. Uh, was a king, I think it was Ian King was his name. And then from Charlotte High School, because we competed at that time, Prescott Russell was, uh, his name was a Blackadder. And what is, might have been Bob Blackadder, I'm not sure. Yeah, he coached basketball. Yes, I he believe. did. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, he was, uh, he was pretty good. Um, but those are the three guys that I remember uh, racing against, and I was pretty successful in the, in the 800 meters, I was pretty successful. We won a couple of yosses and now you said you had a record at one point what uh what level was that at what you said you had a, Can a canadian record or? uh yeah there's a canadian record that uh, uh will be revealed in the book oh okay <laughs> good uh so uh once you graduated from queens uh where were you off to at that point well i was uh off to try to get a job. Okay. And back then, uh, before social media and everything else, pretty much all these job opportunities were listed in the Globe and Mail. So we had, every day we would get copies of the Globe and Mail and we would check to see what kind of jobs are available and where are they. And that wasn't really that particular where I was going to go. And maybe later on, uh, uh, Jason, if you want, I, uh, I'll read a little bit from the introduction to the book, which will tell you a little bit more about the question you just asked, asked me. Okay, that, that sounds good. Um, so you did end up at Pleasant Corners Public School. That's, sure. that's where we met when I was in uh, grade one or so. Um, do you want to tell us what year you came to the PCBS or is that good? Uh, oh, yeah, sure. It's yeah. In, of course, it's in the book, but it, it was not in the fall of... Uh, I was hired in the spring of 1976. Huh. I was born in 1976. <laughs> so, um, so and, and you were teaching phys ed at uh, PCPS right from the beginning, or did you have to? Yeah, I, I taught physical education my first year along with uh, history. Okay. Cinematic. Yeah, yeah. Is that part that I'm going to read to you? Oh, okay. Later. Uh, was there already a uh, phys ed program at PCPS when you got there, or did you have to kind of start it from the ground up? Uh, well, you see, one of the things I always wondered about is that we seem to regress. Now, 
When I retired, when I started at Pleasant Corner Public School, Gary Barton taught physical education to the boys, and Hilda Wiley taught physical education to the girls. That's the way I always thought it should be. I taught physical education for 30 years, co-ed classes every year. Not that I'm complaining, I, I love teaching the co-ed, but it was much harder to balance your program to please both the girls and the boys. Yeah. And, and that is one thing that I always believed was important, that you should have specialists in special areas. Uh, when I arrived at Pleasant Corners, we had a full-time music teacher. We had a full-time phys ed teacher. Well, we had a full-time phys ed teacher, co-ed. We had, uh, I think it was, there was a few other specialties that were gradually eliminated from the program. And other people had to fill in. And sometimes they weren't necessarily qualified, really. As I tell a story, I believe I tell a story in my book about an acquaintance from Ottawa. After I retired, I met through coaching. He was a coach too. And he said, and we're talking about what we're just talking about here now. And that uh, he was teaching at Ridgemont High School, and he had taught physical education. And the next year, he was told, you're going to be teaching grade 12 math. But he told me, I barely passed grade 12 math when I was in high school. <laughs> and now he says, they're asking me to teach grade 12 math. And I told him, you know what it's called? It's called professional development. I'm not sure if it's professional development for the students. But it's they're going to tell you that that's what it is for you. It's the growth for you. Learn something else. Teach something else. Yeah. Regardless of the fact that that may not be your area of expertise. Regardless of the fact, especially in grade 12 math, these kids are trying to get marks in order to get into university. It's not professional development for the kids. Yeah. You would, you would think things would uh, move forward instead of going backwards. And I, I have a strong opinion that things have definitely gone backwards um, since, since we were kids. Um, now, like I look at my daughter's uh, class and, and everybody's in the one class. Um, so you have all levels of students. You have high achievers and then you have special needs kids in the same class. And you're asking a teacher to handle the full spectrum of, uh, of kids. And I, I really don't think that's, uh, that's fair. Um, I know there was a big deal about the class sizes, uh, in the last negotiations for the, the teacher's contracts. And, uh, and I, I was talking to some teachers and I said, you know, it's not the size of the class that's the problem. It's, it's the composition. If, if you had all high achievers in your, your class, you could have 40 kids in the class and everyone would be fine. Um, so. I always believed that it would never ever happen that streaming should begin at basically grade six. And streaming means that the high academics are in the high academics. Not everybody wants to be a lawyer. Not everybody wants to be a, a teacher. Not everybody wants to be a, a doctor. Uh, I always believe that by the time they get to grade six, that we have a pretty good idea as teachers as to what where they should belong. Now, they could move up or they could end up moving down from a higher level to a lower level. Yeah. Now the teachers are now gearing their work 
not watering it down so it could suit everybody or not setting up a program for this person and this person and then the rest of the class. We taught to the middle of the class, not to the elite ones. Yeah. We taught to the middle. Yeah. And in some cases, we had to teach and set up special programs for those that were special needs like students. Yeah. So when we were when we were kids, uh, the special needs kids all went to uh, Plantagenet Public School. Um, so the uh, people that were really struggling, that's where they ended up. Uh, so you you raise the bar to a, a certain level, so your average is going to go up. Uh, and I also remember there being enrichment classes, and I was never in those classes, and it, it pissed me off because my best friend Alana Cameron, uh, she she was in the classes, and she'd get to go out and and look for flowers in the in the field or or make little uh, sculptures and paint them and stuff while I was sitting in class uh, uh, doing math and that sort of thing. And that always uh, that always burned my my britches there. So. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a different, uh, different world there now. Um, so your, your sports program that you, uh, you did run at uh, Pleasant Corners, um, I went through it and, uh, it was, it was excellent. Uh, I, I look back and, uh, the, the structure that you had and, um, the development was, was second to none. Can you talk about the sports program a little bit or? Well, I, I, uh, I will, uh, if you uh, don't mind, I'll, I'll just read you a little something from my book. Sure. And uh, because I just, uh, based on, on your final comment there, I just want to see if you... Uh... Did you ever have a really bad day? One where only trouble came your way? No sooner than you step out of bed, then your life is filled with dread. Today's a day unlike all the rest as you move from mess to mess. To make matters worse and cruel, you must hurry or be late for school. Suddenly you see the apple of your eye, who's now walking with a new guy. Let's face it, friend, she left you again. Jilted again, you feel like a fool as you enter the school. You take your seat and place your homework atop your books. Just as someone opens the window and whoops, eee, look at homework fly. When the teacher asks just out out of the blue, give your homework to me. I can't, I say. It's up in the tree. If you don't have it by two, you'll stay here after school. So you wait till the end of the class. Then you take a quick dash. What gall? He was running in the hall. Before the next class, you have time to make a quick climb. The homework is almost in your hands. When fate disrupts your plans, did I hear a crack? Ouch! In my back. Sorry, sir. It was done accidentally. Get to the detention permanently. What a way to waste a day, spending it all in detention hall, till the coming of nightfall. On a day like this, so filled with dread, isn't it nice to return to bed? <laughs> that, that sounds familiar. Uh, I think that was uh, grade five, uh, Mr. Greer's class. My bad day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Where was I? Uh, what was I going to say? Um, yes, your phys ed, uh, your phys ed program. Uh, can you can you speak to uh, to how you got that started? And again, it's all in the book. It's all in the book. Yeah, it's all in the book. <laughs> and uh, when I was at Queen's University, 
I actually, my qualifications was actually 7 to grade 12 physical education. Grade 13 students never took physical education. It was just going up to grade 12. So those were my qualifications. So when I was at Queen's University, we were we sent out to various schools. And I mentioned the schools in the book. My first school was at Maryvale High School. The coach there was a football coach, any basketball coach, because you were a basketball guy, you may or may not have heard of Ted Edwards. But anyway, Ted Edwards was my associate teacher. Um, and uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's in the book of Sir Thomas A. Stewart and Peterborough. And, and then in June, uh, the last, uh, our last assignment, we had the opportunity to choose a school where we wanted to go to. And during our classes, physical education classes, my phys ed teacher was a guy by the name of Wally Meller. And Wally taught high school at Laurentian University become, before become, no, at Laurentian High School before becoming a uh, professor at Queen's University. And my, my health teacher was Al Robertson. And they were two great guys. And, and that, what I say in my book and what I say even at the top of my book is everything I learned, everything I did, I learned from someone else. And that's the truth. I'm not smart enough. I learned everything that I have in this book pretty much from somebody else. Wally Miller talked about intramurals. And he said, there's a school in Ottawa that runs probably the best intramural program in the city. And I can't remember the name of that teacher, but I knew that I, that's the school I wanted to go to. Uh, and have him as my associate teacher. And I talk about our meeting, and uh, I talk about watching him eating his lunch, as I would often do, and watch the kids as they played intramurals. And he said, the one thing, we all make mistakes along the way, he said, and the one thing that I learned about intramurals was that it was all about participation. And he said, talked about how he divided that school into house league teams and how they would stay on that team for their entire career, their entire high school career. And he said, everything seemed to be going really, really well. Until, he said, I started to notice that when the playoffs came along for a sport or, or a championship game, captains or leaders or the sports athletes were discouraging the poorer players from coming to their games. So then he said, I realized that I had to make a change in my program. And my rule was, if you want to play with the best, join a school team. Intramurals is for everybody. So he told me that he started developing what he called performance points and participation points. At the end, and I talked about how I tweaked the program, the intramural program throughout the course of my years. And at the end, I finally came up with what I thought was perfect, was perfect. And if I had known it at the end, I would have started exactly the same, but my same philosophy was participation. 
and I use the positive participators so many times in this book. The positive participators, whether they be in music, whether they be in the classes, whether they be in gym. The positive participators. And at the end of my career, for the last maybe 10, 8, 9, 10 years, after tweaking the program, I didn't feel I had to tweak it anymore. Every sport was worth 200 points. Whether it be track and field, whether it be soccer, whether it be dodgeball, every sport would be worth 200 points. 100 points was for participation, and 100 points was for performance. So if your team won, 100 points. If you were in the finals, 75 points. If you lost in the semifinals, 50 points each. And if you didn't make the semifinals, then you, if you finished fifth or sixth, of the 16 major early, then you got 25 points. Participation points was minus four. If you had 14 players on your team, 14 minus four, in order to get your participation points, you needed 10 players, at least. If you had 13 teams on your players on your intramural team, 13 minus four, you needed at least nine. If you did, and the referees were responsible for checking out at the beginning of the game how many players were there. And if you didn't have it, well, you weren't getting your participation points for that day. You only got your participation points is if you had, if you could met the criteria for participation. Now, I would tell the captains, you have to remember that there are those that are, as captains, you have a responsibility to make sure that everybody is made to feel like they are a welcome participator. Because there's going to come times in the, in the season where you're going to need them. And I understood, and it's true, I know it's true, that not every boy or girl enjoys sports. But their job or their role, everybody would have a role on the team, their role was to be the positive participator. Jason, I know you don't like soccer. But we need some players today because such and such is absent. They're not at school. We can't make it to the game. We need a player to fulfill the participation role. Would you come and help us today? And Jason, you were supposed to say, sure, I'll help you today. And if they did, I would tell them my first rule of discipline. Never forget that good manners never go out of style. Don't you forget to thank Jason for coming to help the team. And then, Jason, if you don't like to, if you don't want to play anymore like soccer games because you'd rather not, because you don't care for soccer, then that's okay. But if you're asked to be a participator, your job or your role was to be that. And that was how it worked for the last, especially the number of years, because each, each category was worth the same amount. You could have, you could win every title but if you didn't have the participators, you weren't going to, you, you weren't at the end, you weren't going to have enough points to win the overall championship. Yeah. So just to, to clarify, uh, everybody got put on to uh, Pleasant Corners at the 16s. And uh, you had a number of sports that ran throughout the, the year. Uh, how many sports would you say? Uh, 10, 15 intramural sports? Typically 20. 20? Okay. I, I think I think my first year, it's in the book, my first year we had the awards and we had the presentation. Uh, it's 22, the first year that I was teaching. Yeah. 
And so everybody got, uh, as you played the sports, the sports would last how many weeks? Uh, Generally, uh, that could vary a little bit. Sometimes I had two pools of three, and sometimes it would be a round robin with six teams around Robin tournament. Uh, top four make the playoffs. Okay. Uh, so that this was all done at lunch hour, and uh, you would be the, the twin ball championship at the end, so you get your points for the twin ball, and then you accumulated the points throughout the year, and at the end of the year, uh, a champion was crowned in the boys, the girls, and the co-ed, and they got their, uh, their pennant put up on the, on the wall in the gym. And I remember sitting there in, in the lunchroom uh, when I was in grade probably four or five and six and looking at all the pennants. And I desperately wanted to be a 49er because they were the, uh, they were the best team when I was, uh, there. They had the most pennants up on the wall. So I'd sit there and count them. And, uh, and I know to this day, uh, people who went to Pleasant Corners, they still identify as a jock, a streaker, a blue knight, a red devil, a bomber. Did I miss one? Uh, and towards the end, not lately when you were there, eventually I had classroom badges as well. So if you won the soccer championship for boys, you got a small triangular banner that said soccer champions, uh, soccer champions, and then you would get called out with the captains of the jocks, intramural team, boys jocks, please come down to the office to pick up a championship banner. Okay. And the girls would have the exact same banner for soccer, except there's, I think there's, I think the girls had blue printing and the girls had red printing. That was the only difference because they were both soft. So the jocks could have won two pennants and they would stay in the classroom. Soccer was the first sport in the fall, one of the first sports. Would stay in that homeroom teacher's classroom for the entire year. Yeah, so uh, each homeroom teacher, grade seven and eight, were assigned a team, right? That's correct. And they kept that team until they moved on, and a new teacher uh, took their their yeah. spot. Um, yeah, it was just it was to, just to, uh, a little story which I don't have in the book, so it's fine. I my first year, I had a homeroom class, and so I had a team, and it was the jocks, and the jocks girls won the intramural championship. Well. The kids were thinking maybe I was unfair. I was favoring the jocks, so I never had. After that, I never had an intramural team. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you would draft uh, players, the captains from the previous year would, or how how did you determine who the captains were uh, of the teams? A vote. A vote. So the the remaining players uh, when they went into grade eight would vote and. Uh, no. Firstly, they had they had to. And I'm just talking about the last, maybe not necessarily in the very beginning, but at the end, it was, um, you had to be, are you interested in being a captain, firstly? And if there were only two people who were interested in being a captain, then they would become the captain. But if there was more than that, what you had to do is you had to go to your classroom teacher and get a signature from that classroom teacher of approval that they thought that you would be a good representative for, the, for their particular team. And then if there were more than two people that had signed up to be captains, then it would go to a vote. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, so when we're on the topic of intramural teams, I just thought we'd play a little game. I know your, your memory seems to be uh, quite good, but uh, I'm going to name some, um, some past students, and 
I'm going to get you to tell me uh, what team they were on. Uh, I, I just went through my yearbooks quickly before I came here and, uh, and picked out some people that I thought were prominent uh, athletes. Uh, some of them might be in the book. Uh, some of them may not be. Um, I'll start with uh, my year. Uh, the second overall pick, uh, Andrew Allen. Do you remember what team Andrew was on? The Bombers. He was a bomber. Do you remember who had first pick that year? Bombers? No. 49ers. <laughs> they passed up on Andrew Allen. They took Chuck Cormack. Uh, Marcus, uh, Marcus Warner picked Chuck Cormack uh, ahead of Andrew, which uh, turned out to be a bad decision because I think the Bombers ended up winning. Um, Mary Cernakis. Jocks. She was a jock, that's right. Uh, Mike Warner. Red Devils. Three for three. Uh, Judith Leroy. Streakers. She was a streaker. Excellent long distance runner. I believe she went to the university and, uh, and ran in, uh, in university. Uh, Kyla Burwash. I'm thinking jocks, but I don't think it's correct. Nope. Uh, she was a streaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Hollett, figure skater. No. She was a jock. She was a jock, yes. And last but not least, VCI teacher uh, Sarah Dagg. No, I'm clapping her. She had a brother, Roddy. No, no, sorry. Uh, she oh, married. Sorry, she, yeah, she's married to Roddy. She's married. Uh, yeah, she's married to Roddy. Yeah. So um, was she a forty nine? She was forty <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. I was I was impressed. You knew that I was a jock as well. Uh, um, th- these are all pretty prominent athletes, and uh, um, yeah. So. Uh, We'll move on to uh, to school teams. Uh, we had a number of uh, of school teams uh, starting starting grade five or six. Is that when uh, the school? Uh, yeah. Where you could See, go. Mostly in basketball and cross country running and track, of course. Uh, but uh, for teams, it was mostly in basketball. Was starting grade five, six for school teams. Yeah. yeah. I remember uh, we also did uh, beach ball, volleyball as a, as a school team. We'd we'd go and play. Uh, Play other teams in beach ball, volleyball, in grade five and six. Uh, not not too often. We may have done it for a few years. Okay. Not too often. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basketball seems to be seem to be one of your uh, your loves uh, more than than other sports. Uh, would you would you say that's? Uh, yeah, I thought that I always felt that whether you're a high school or an elementary school, you had to have a or you shouldn't have a banner sport that you would uh, represent your school. As, because no school can be great in all sports, but you could pick a you could pick a school and you could pick a program. Uh, for example, um, in at Hawkesbury High School, um, Frank Belil had a program, a great program for track and field. And year after year, they would have been trying to field, trying to field, trying to field because that was just what he chose to be their better program. Yeah. We chose basketball, or I chose basketball. 
And uh, yes, uh, it became the banner, the banner program for, for our school recognition. And uh, there were teams, like I talked about uh, in the book, that I got a phone call from Bob Cobro, and he was a teacher at Edenwood Elementary School at Mississauga. And he said, I've heard about your girls' basketball team. And he said, we have a tournament here. And he says, there's two tournaments. And one is a, one is an invitational tournament, and the other is an Ontario school tournament. Would you be interested in coming down? Yeah, sure, yeah. And uh, he said, What's your team like uh, this year? I said, They're really good. So uh, we ended up going up there to, uh, and, and I tell him in the book, it's in the book, uh, we played uh, Sarnia St. Margaret's in our first game. And it was a double elimination, which you know what a double elimination tournament is. You have to lose twice before you're eliminated. So I think he had it pretty well figured out who the top two teams were, and we beat them 39-33 in the first game. We didn't eliminate them, but we we uh, we beat them, and uh, we went undefeated, and we met St. Margaret's again in the final, and we again we beat them. Uh, we beat them in the final. What year would that have been, sir? Or who would be some of the players that were on that oh, team? Andrea Bailey and Tracy Bailey. Uh, Vicky Wilson there at that time? I don't time. think, I think she had already graduated. Yeah. But uh, a lot of those names are in the book. And yeah. that, that story is in the book as well. Yeah. Jen, Jen Barton. Uh, she wasn't, she was before that. She was, well, she's the same age as uh, Tracy. Oh, she, well, she might have been on that team then. Yeah. Jen Barton, uh, Renwick, uh, Karen Renwick would have been the same. Uh, Though those names are in the book and the ones that represented the Pleasant Corners at that time. We eventually went back. And we won their All Ontario tournament as well. Not the first year. We were runners up. The first year we got beat by a team from called Forest Central, uh, from Oshawa, I believe. The next year we won the All Ontario tournament. And I have that banner in the book. Picture banner in the book. It was up in the gym by the corners. Yeah. So yeah, basketball was our banner sport and because you couldn't be you couldn't be Excellent in every sport, uh, you had to develop a program, and that big program was for basketball, and it was for girls because back then there wasn't as many sports to choose from for girls, and for boys they could never make the commitment because of hockey. So our girls' team, comparatively speaking, were traditionally more stronger than than the boys' teams. Uh, simply because they practiced more, and they worked harder, they could make the commitment, whereas the boys, the top athletes, were often unable to make the commitment to hockey, to basketball, because of the because of the hockey. Now, as you mentioned, your team that you had in 1989-90, we had hockey players like Andrew Allen, That's not, but, but a lot of them weren't, like Leslie Hatz and Chuck Gormack, who you mentioned, John Baker and, and other of others that were on that team. Uh, some, a, a number of them were not hockey players, but there were some, like myself and, and Andrew. But they seemed to be able to make the commitment. And uh, as I tell you in the book, uh, Jason, you were part of the, our winningest team ever with 41 wins and three losses that year. 
Yeah, if you remember going to Mississauga for uh, for the tournament and <laughs> playing against the Glashing Gators, yeah. uh, the whole school got out to come and watch uh, watch us play uh, Glashing. What was the deal with Glashing? Were they just yeah. best team in Ottawa? Or? Yeah, but now I got a quiz question for you. Oh, what was the score of that game? Oh, jeez! Uh, I, I put it on your report card so you wouldn't forget. <laughs> Uh, oh geez, um, 4139? 5047. 5047. <laughs> In the finals to um, Lester B. Pearson. Okay. Uh, but I don't think we actually went to the Galashian tournament that year, although we have gone in the past and we've gone with our girls' team to the Galashian tournament. Now, how come did Galashian come down to play us at? Because they had a different March break than we did. And their students were off for March break. It, no, it wasn't March break, it was a PD day. Okay. Rick Descloud was a coach up there. And Rick Descloud. He was a keener. I mean, you know, he was a lot put into his program, much as what I put into my programs. And I, uh, I guess I didn't have much to do, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I used to go up to Ottawa to see the Ottawa Championships. So I wanted to invite them down to my, I wanted to invite the best team down to our tournament that I could get. Because some of the games we played against local schools, again, they didn't put in the same amount. It wasn't as much as a, Importance to them as it was to me basketball. So Galashian used to come down to my tournaments, and um, they did very well. And they also beat us in the final of a small a small gym in the Russell tournament. So Rick Descloud, I gave him a call and asked if he would be interested in playing us on school time. And yes, that's what it was. It was they had a PD day that day, or some 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 of that effect, something to that effect. And he said, uh, "Yeah, we'll come down." And so uh, so they did. And we had that game, and uh, and uh, do you remember who the play-by-play announcer was for that game? Oh, what? I want to say Derek Hall, but I fear I feel like he was on the team. So. <laughs> he was on the team. Um, <laughs> I know Derek did do, uh, he did do play by play for a, uh, maybe it was a girls tournament. Um, I don't know who was the play by play. Uh, Al Dunsmore. Oh, was it Mr. Dunsmore? Okay. Um, so I, I tried to get this out of, uh, Mr. Vidan for high school, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't name uh, a team or, or anything like that. But, uh, can you name me the, uh, the best girls and best boys, uh, basketball team you ever coached? Uh? Well, the best boys team was that uh, 89 IT that I had, uh, my 41 and 3. Yeah. That was the best boys team. Uh, but we had, uh, we then, I, I would say that was the best boys team. Then we had uh, the the uh, Dan Turner years. Yeah. And his brother Mark Turner and Ryan Jodwa and Ferd. Uh, they were the ones that, uh, that team, I called them the Fab Five. Okay. And they're in the book. And uh, the Fab Five were St. Patrick's. Because at the end, they said I used to run a single-A tournament, double-A tournament, triple-A tournament. There were three tournaments. And this was the triple-A. triple-A tournament was for students with schools that had more than six grade 7-8 classes. 
and they could also be some club teams okay. that came to our AAA tournaments. Yeah. So we were playing St. Patrick's from Ottawa, St. Patrick's Elementary School, and they're the big feeder school for St. Patrick's High School. And they used to play at a, uh, on Heron Street, and it's now become, seven eight has now become a part of St. Pius High School. So they were down to uh, play our tournament uh, with our Fab Five. And uh, on the sidelines, the parents from St. Patrick's were uh, joking and saying, uh-oh, this is going to be the slaughter. The lions are going to kill all the lambs. Uh. And uh, I didn't hug kids very often if I ever did. But I hugged Fur Louis but after I called the timeout. And we were down by one point, and we ran a play with a screen for Fur Louis. And Louis Fur shot. It scored. I jumped. I ran. And I gave him the biggest hug. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found out Charlie Freeman was a referee. He said, they've called a timeout. Well, there's about two seconds left in the game. Now, by rights, I should have got a technical foul for entering the court. Oh, yes. <laughs> but fortunately, Charlie didn't uh, give me a, didn't assess any technical because the horn did sound. Yeah. Uh, the horn did sound in order to begin in the game. And at that time, now, under FIBA rules, you're allowed to advance the ball, but you weren't then. I still had to inbound for the end line. Yeah. And uh, they got a final shot. And uh, I thought, oh, no, that's going to be another, like your team, this is going to be another Lester B. Pearson buzzer beater to tie the game. Yeah. Send it over time, but they didn't take it. So. Oh, good. I had the pleasure of coaching those kids. Uh, I took them to Yasa for uh, when they were in grade 10, uh, junior Yasa. And uh, I only had three days to coach them. <laughs> uh, there, there was a senior kid who was coaching the team and they lost, uh, they lost to, I think, Hawkesbury in the finals here. And, uh, but because we were a single A school and Hawkesbury was a double A, they still got to go to Yasa. So we went in ranked uh, dead last. And, uh, I had three practices with them before we went off and I told them, forget everything that you know about basketball. We're starting fresh. And we, we started with very simple offense, very simple defense and a press that I called the blitz. And we went in and we, we beat the home team that was ranked number one. And we ended up in the, uh, in the finals. Um, actually it wasn't the home team that was ranked number one. They were ranked two. We ended up in the finals against the home team. And, uh, we looked like the worst ragtag bunch of like, we didn't even have matching uniforms. Like there were like three different sets of uniforms that were cobbled together. But, um, we had the support of the, the crowd, even though it was at home, uh, there was a lot of people cheering for us. So, um, we ended up losing, uh, I don't know, by a couple of points, but it was still, uh, it was still a pretty, uh, pretty memorable, uh, time for me. And who, were, who were those players? Uh, Dan Turner. Um, yeah. Well, I, Mr. Bernie's son uh, was probably the best player on the team. Patrick. Pat, Pat, yeah. Pat well, was probably the best. And uh, as is was the other, I don't know if you, uh, he was only. Short Yeah, guy. short little guy. He was phenomenal. He, uh, he had a big afro and uh, the, the crowd just loved him. He was. Well, actually, I would ask to coach that team. 
Okay. And I, uh, this was, uh, yeah, it would have been in the 2000s. And so I knew it would have to be a commitment. I wanted to find out if there was a commitment. So I wrote a letter, gave it to each of the players, and one of the parts of the commitment was $250 fee to play. Okay. We needed to play games. And not just seven or eight games in the regular season. We had we'd have to go to tournaments, we'd have to travel, and we'd be looking at a thirty to forty game season. Not enough people were willing to make the commitment. Yeah. So I said, if they're not willing to make the commitment of two hundred and fifty dollars, that's your commitment, then I'm not either. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was fun. It was a good weekend for me. We had uh, we had that on Thursday and Friday, and then uh, we played in the uh, selects tournament on uh, on the weekend with my my girls team at the time. So, which we uh, we won that tournament too. So I remember uh, I was in the paper twice on the same on the same page, coaching two different teams. Um, back to the uh, the best teams of all times at Pleasant Corners. So the the boys was the uh, eighty nine ninety. Uh, team, what about the girls? Well, the girls had a 57 game winning streak, eh? that was uh, covered two years, and I do talk about it in the book. Okay, so those two years, and uh, Nikki was one of those players. Okay, okay. and I tell about how our record got broke. Should I tell it now? Sure, I think I was at the game. Uh, <laughs> no, you weren't at the game. Uh, no, you weren't at the game, but anyway. This is a March break story. I always just scheduled games for the girls because they were all, they, they were committed. They were committed. Yeah. I didn't have to worry, oh, I can't make it this weekend, hockey. But there was never any such thing as, oh, I don't really go birthday parties. Don't tell me about birthday parties. No, so they, I never had those excuses, nothing. So we were on a, at that time, of, yeah, 57 game week shoot. And we were invited on our March break to a tournament in Messina, New York. Okay. Of course, I said yes. Little did I know until I got a phone call from Mrs. Zuranakis. Mr. McCollum, you've got to talk to Nikki. We've planned a family vacation to Florida and Nikki doesn't want to come. She wants to go and play basketball. Yeah. Would you please talk to her and tell her to come with the family? So I did. And I told Nikki, uh, you know, your mother and father put a lot of work and effort into planning that trip. And we'll have to play the game without you. Yeah. She was in grade seven at that time. And our streak got broken. We lost by three points. Okay. So I tell Nikki in my book that uh, who knows how long that winning streak would have gone because she was in grade seven at that time. Yeah, she was in grade seven at that time. And then she got to the tournament. Chances are we probably could have won it. Yeah. And I said, how long could that streak have gone? And actually, when she was in the lineup, we never lost a game. No. In the two years that she played great Saturday, when she was in the lineup, we never lost a game. So those would be probably the strongest teams. Yeah. So uh, I coached Nikki and and that team, Kate Drouin, Janice Allen, Melissa Barnes, uh, when they were in grade nine and ten. Yeah. I had a I had a selects team and uh, and. I remember the, uh, I went to the league meeting at the beginning of the year and I said, yeah, we're from Bankley Carroll. And he said, oh, you're going to be in the, uh, the single A division. I went, oh, okay, fine. So, uh, I go to the next meeting. I said, oh, uh, for insurance reasons, we're going to have to call ourselves, uh, Hawksbury. 
And they'd walk at me and they're like, you're from Hawksbury? And I'd say, yeah. Like, Do you have a girl named Nikki on your team? And I said, yeah, she's really good. And they said, oh, well, you're in the AAA division now. So, <laughs> so as soon as I mentioned that, uh, that Nikki was on our team, uh, she jumped, we jumped right to the, uh, the AAA, uh, yeah. spot. Um, yeah, she was a little goalkeeper. Wasn't taller like that. No, just just dominant. Could drive. Uh, I would I would go out and tell her to because uh, we we'd always have a size issue. Uh, we weren't overly tall. We had Janice who was six foot. But other than that, we didn't have a very tall team. So I would always tell Nikki to go down and drive right at the other team center the first three or four times down the the court to try and get them into foul trouble so that uh, we could get them out of there and, and get someone more manageable in the in the post. So, uh, um, yeah, I was, uh, <clears throat> I, I always wondered about the, the basketball and the, the emphasis that was put on it. I, I was a soccer player because I was short and, uh, and I could run and it always, uh, it always bothered me that soccer didn't get more, uh, more, uh, playtime or, uh, more emphasis put on, on soccer. Um, so, uh, how many years did you teach at Pleasant Forest? You said 30 or 30 years. 30 years. Uh, I remember uh, one year you taught music. How did? Oh, not more than one year. One year, okay. So it was I multiple taught, years. I taught it for the last nine years of my career. Oh, really? I retired. I was teaching music. Oh. So how did that? How did that come about? Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you that story. Oh, okay. You're going to have to read the book for that one. I'll have to read the book. Um, <laughs> but you're going to read. Uh, I'll tell you what the when you got a pink slip in your mailbox, it often didn't mean good news. Uh, so I got this pink slip to meet with Mrs. Bellman, and I thought, well, what do I do now? I wonder. And uh, so anyway, I go down to see Mrs. Bellman and I tell the story. Yeah. So uh, Ed Kelly was your principal for the majority of your career. Yes, uh, and I have a tribute to Mr. Kelly in my book. Yeah. So uh, how big of a factor was uh, Mr. Kelly in uh, in the sports program at uh, Pleasant Gardens? Probably wouldn't have existed. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have existed. Yeah. And I and I talk about that in my book about the revolving door of principals, vice principals. You get somebody, they don't know any history of the school. They're, they're just interested in their administration and the day-to-day affairs. Today, what I did, I don't think would ever happen, would never happen, occurred. Yeah. No, you had to have the support, but at the same time, you're going to read in the book about the disagreement. And uh, I'm certainly not going to talk about that here, but it is in the disagreement that we had. And Mr. Kelly was furious with me. Uh, but I didn't follow the rules. My rules that I expected kids to follow, I didn't follow the rules properly. So I do say at the end, it is possible that, you know, you can, you can disagree with someone, but it doesn't mean that you don't respect them. And uh, like I say in the book, I had to run through that brick wall for Mr. Kelly. Yeah. Uh, do you remember Mr. Foster at all? Uh, He's in the book. He's in the book too. <laughs> You're going to have to read that story. Uh, <laughs> you have to read that story. Yeah. I, uh, Mr. Foster was our uh, vice principal, and yeah. he was quite the disciplinarian, as I remember him. I was, I yeah. was young. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember I had to write lines once uh, <laughs> for something that happened on the bus, and um, everyone was terrified of him and he left school when I was probably in grade, I don't know, four, maybe, maybe yeah. grade three. Yeah. And, uh, when I was in grade seven, uh, he came back to the school for some sort of a meeting 
And I remember him walking through the, through the school and like a hush fell over the, the entire school as he walked through the hallway. Everyone was just terrified of him. <laughs> but, um, now he's writing uh, children's books yes. and, uh, I think he has green hair. <laughs> I, I, I saw a picture of him and I think he had his hair, uh, hair dyed maybe, but, uh, I, uh, I found that quite the, the switch. I got to know him a little bit better, uh, when, um, when his daughter was playing basketball, yeah. um, Hillary was uh, played for Gloucester, I think, yeah. and uh, so they were the big rival mm-hmm. of uh, Kyla's team when they were in the uh, the EOBA. So I got to to talk to him a little bit more uh, when I was older, and I wasn't so scared of him. Um, so yeah, uh, sticking with basketball, you you had a hand in starting Titans basketball. Uh, Yes, back I did. in the day, I, I did start Titans. Of course, it's in the book as well. Yeah, and I came about starting Titans. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it's in the book. And again, I'm going to reveal who that little girl was that was responsible for the starting up of Titans basketball. And what she said to me on that one day as she walked into the gym class, Mr. McCollum, and then what she told me, that made me think. And that was the first thing, and then the second thing was looking around in the summertime and seeing how all the soccer fields were being used. And I thought, well, why can't all the gyms be used? They don't seem to be being used to full capacity and they're public gyms. Why aren't they being used? And so a combination of those two things led me to think, why don't I start a club program? And in the book, I use the phrase from the movie Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. And people told me, why would you start up something like Titans basketball? Firstly, you're going to, French kids don't really want to play basketball. They just want to play volleyball. They're not interested in basketball. And secondly, if they are interested, they're going to be competitive for you, competitors against you. But I thought again, if you build it, they will come. So I went ahead with it. And I had over 300 registrations first year of Titans basketball. And would you like to hazard a guess at what the registration fee was back in 1981 to join Titans basketball? Per player. $10? You're exactly right. 10 bucks per player. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I continue with Titans, and I still would have been with Titans probably to this day if I still lived in the area, but I don't, of course, and uh, I retired. I moved to uh, with my wife who worked for the federal government, and she's now retired as well. But yeah, so I started Titans basketball in 1981, 82. And I spent all summer running around looking for coaches and bothering people. And uh, I remember going in to see Charlie Sandin, who's also passed away there now. And Charlie taught at Hawkesbury High School. And I wanted to see Charlie about, about uh, coaching. Uh, and I knocked on his door and uh, I came in and they were having supper. And he said, uh, uh, we're having supper right now. And I remember I didn't pay any attention. Like I was just one track mind. I never left. I just told him about the program. And uh, 
And then I went off to my next visit. And I, I visited everybody that I could, or the teacher or whatever. And, and uh, one thing, Jason, I always remember a good deed. I never forget a good deed. And uh, to this day, I remember some people who volunteered their services uh, and uh, made Titans basketball work. And uh, I think that's important. I think that's an important quality in anybody. No matter what that good deed is, you never forget that good deed. And I never did. Good. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I've, I've taken over Titans basketball, or, or that's the plan anyways. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to figure out how to... Uh, to maybe reinvent it a little bit because uh, the numbers are down. And uh, I'd also like to see the schools get more involved in it as well. So I've been kicking around ideas of possibly having uh, schools enter teams in the older age groups where we don't have anybody playing. So there's no grade seven and eight boys Titans now. And that used to be the the most popular uh, age group. So I'm just trying to figure out how to get, uh, get more kids involved and the, uh, and uh, get playing again. So, well, Jason, build it. <laughs> if I build it, they'll come. It's a it's a problem. I know. I, I find it very difficult to get uh, get the schools to to do anything. Um, I know it's extracurricular, and I probably have to find some teachers who would be willing to put in the extra hours, or some parents who would be willing to to coach the the school team. And then, is it if it's Attached to the school, and there's liabilities and this and that. So, Jason, I'm going to tell you another story. It's not thought of the book. So, right now, I coach basketball, not now because of COVID, but I do developmental program. First 25 hours is basic fundamentals, the next 25 is um, advanced fundamentals, and the last 25 hours is <clears throat> team fundamentals. So, when we get into the third category, the boys, and it's all boys, of course, they love to play basketball, they want to play. And so I try to get them games. Well, because I referee, I get to go and see a referee seven eight basketball. So I went in and I saw this coach and I said, would you like to give us a game? It's just sort of fun game. I said, no big deal. I said, we just have a developmental team. And he told me, we're not allowed to play. Teams such as yours, we can only play teams who are within our league. The gym can't be used for that. Um, yeah, so he's telling you that. So that's what it is. That's the way it is these days. Yeah. And I call it the what if. What if this happens? What if that happens? Yeah. Or what if we just don't do nothing? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a what if situation that's occurred over the years. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. And that's why I say I'm not sure that I could do what I, do, what I did back then. Without the cooperation and help and support of uh, the Grand Admission College. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I need to find a, a principal that's uh, that's willing to put in the the time and take a chance on, on doing some of this stuff. Um, but Titans basketball are all, players are all insured. Yes, yes. The Titans is all insured. Uh, all insured. Yeah. All right, the, just the idea of putting it uh, by school kind of gives you the kids a feeling of ownership uh, of pride. You know, I'm representing the school, whereas if if they're the blue team or the red team, uh, they may not be with their friends, uh, right. stuff like this. And and I would probably tier it where, you know, a team like St. Gregoire, uh, maybe not. Team up with another school. Yeah, team up with another school or they would play the grade seven team from uh, 
the Pleasant Corners Grade Seven team. If there was two teams there, I don't know. I've got I've got a bunch of ideas for that, but that's uh, I maybe pick your brain uh, at some point to to figure that out. Um, so, uh, what year did you retire in? Two thousand six. Two thousand six. And what have you been up to since? Uh, coaching and refereeing. Coaching and refereeing. Yeah. And traveling. Yeah. Were you uh, Were you running a bit still? Or oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still do races or? Yes. Up until last year, we were scheduled to uh, do a half marathon in Toronto, Scotia Bank half marathon with friend of mine. Of course, it was cancelled. So I uh, I did a treadmill half marathon in one forty nine. Okay. And changed one forty nine four. Yeah, it's in the book. Yeah. I got that in there. Yeah. yeah. So yes, I still continue to uh, to run and to train and to, I don't run nearly as many races as I used to. Yeah. But I still run. Good. And um, so, well, we've talked, uh, we've mentioned the book a lot. So uh, why don't you tell me about the book? Um, what made you want to want to write a book? Well, I always wanted to write a book. I, also, I often would tell students, one of these days, I'm going to write a book about you guys. But you retire, you get busy with things, other things, whether it be traveling, whether it be coaching, whether it be refereeing. And somehow I just put in the back burner. And one day I went down here visiting my brother in Hawkesbury. And I stopped to fill up with gas on McGill Street with a copy of the review. And I said, I'll pick it up and I'll walk over to the Tim Hortons. I did. Opened up the review. And inside there was an ad that said, So you want to write a book? And it was a phone number, but it wasn't a 678 phone number. I said, I wonder who this would be. I called, and it was Louise. Ah. And so we had an interview, and uh, we, she'd been incredible help. And uh, that's how it all started, through an ad in the paper, and through a, I, I always wanted to write a book. I did. And I used to tell kids, this is what I finished telling you. But... It just seemed that that there just wasn't enough time. And you know, I do mention at the end of my book that COVID, even COVID, can have a silver lining for me. And it's given me the opportunity to write this book. And I don't think I would have been too, I mean, it is it has taken, as I say on the website, over twelve hundred hours in fourteen months that I've worked on this book. And I don't think I would have been able to put in that those hours. And I continued with refereeing, uh, coaching, doing my workouts in the gym. Uh, I just don't think it would have happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, what was your your process like when it came to to writing? Did you just did you just start picking out people and and writing chapters on them, or did you you plan out exactly what you wanted? And if you don't mind, I'll read just a bit. Yeah. Be great. Now I'm not going to read the entire part. It's called My Lucky Keys. The paper was out, and beside it lay the reluctant pen. It was May 2006, as I sat at my gym office desk which lay cluttered with papers. I thought for the longest time, do I really want to retire? 
I leaned back in my chair, looked up at the ceiling, and memories came flooding back. My mind wandered back to June 1976, when I had just completed my job interview with Mr. Kelly and Mr. Dunsmore to teach physical education and geography to grades 7 and 8 at PCPS. They said they would get back to me. The next day, I received a phone call from a gentleman who said he was the principal of Red Lake Matson School in Red Lake, Ontario, and he was offering me a full-time position to teach there starting in September. I asked, when is the interview? He replied, this is the interview, and you have the job if you want it. Well, yes, I replied, but where is Red Lake? He replied that Red Lake was northwest of Thunder Bay, close to the Manitoba border. Now, at that time, I had no idea where Thunder Bay was, but I did know that from Bankrick Hill to the Manitoba border would be quite a commute. Can I get back to you? I asked, and I explained the interview that I had just had with the local board office. He replied, I can't guarantee that the job will still be available. We're hiring right now. I told him that if I didn't get the local job, that I would call him back, and that if the job opening was still available, that I would take it. And then I thought. I thought about the phone call to the board office in Hawkesbury to see if there was any news about my application. My call was answered by Mrs. Joan McPhee, who said, Mr. McCollum, I think you've got the job. And I thought again. It was now September 1976, as I walked into Pleasant Quarters Public School to begin my first full-time job. I was so nervous and excited that I had forgotten to remove the price tags from my new sports jacket and pants that I had bought the week before at Dorian suit. Mr. McCollum, Mr. McCollum, a lady with a pair of scissors came running toward me down the hall. Just a minute, Mr. McCollum, while I cut off all these tags from your jacket and pants. It was my first encounter with Mrs. Ruth McMillan, the school secretary. She had a pretty quick chuckle, as she said. There. That looks better. PCPS secretaries were always looking after me. And now I entered what I thought was the most beautiful gym ever. And sitting on the floor were close to 200 grade 7, 8 students, anxiously waiting to find out who their homeroom teacher was going to be for, the, for that year. And I thought of Mr. Kelly. And how all went silent as he approached the microphone. After a welcome, he told the students something that I would learn. He told students every year in September, Always remember, good manners never go out of style. After his address, he would start with calling out the names of students. He started with Mrs. Fulkert's grade seven class, and he named the students. They lined up, lined up behind, up in front of Mrs. Fulkert, and then moved on to their new homeroom class, and then on to Mrs. Sturt's class, and the same procedure would follow. And now, in Mr. McCollum's grade seven class, and I thought back to some of those names. Andy Anderson, Lisa Hubbard, Andrew Kerr, Dara Dines, Carl Smith, Elaine McCall, Steve Morris, John Dubois, Elizabeth Stewart, Susan Higginson, Beverly Eastman, Brendan Ogler, Frank Kinga, and Bonnie Martin, to name just a few. And now my thoughts turned to that Sunday afternoon as I sat in the school library, thinking up names for the six intramural teams 
I wanted each homeroom teacher to be responsible to encourage and cheer on their teams, to work hard and to participate. The original six were McCollum's Jocks, Barnes's 49ers, Gregoire Streakers, Fulker's Bombers, Stewart's Blue Knights, and Fitzpatrick's Red Devils. The leaders would change, but never the teams. And I thought back again about my first girls basketball team, Robbie Bennett, Paula Barnes, Katie Hubbard, Jeanne McPhee, Marjorie McPhee, Janet Christie, and Gail Cass for some of the names that came to mind. And those boys of whom would go on to high school and win an officer championship at VCI. Craig Patterson, John Turnbull, Rod Renwick, Kenny Sulier, and Alan McMillan. I thought about the cross-country meets, the basketball tournaments, volleyball and soccer tournaments, and the track and field meets. I thought again about our, that first year and students in grade seven and eight, like Eddie McCray, Edwin Williams, Paul Rollins, Christine Whiteside, Valerie Allen, Faye Barton, Rhonda Soper, Laura Kluston, Jason Stevens, and Shelley Massey. The years would pass. There would be Titans basketball, Hawkeyes basketball, satellites gymnastics, and finally, Cheetah's track club. I looked down at the empty page once more, and then I reached out to pick up the pen. One of my first grade eight students, Valerie Allen, was now my principal. And as we had said hello in 1976, it was now time to say goodbye in 2006. This is what I wrote. Dear Miss Allen, it is only after considerable thought and some regret that I inform you of my intention to retire at the end of the current school year after 30 wonderful years as a teacher at PCPS. For all of us, there comes a time to step down, and now is my time. Respectfully, So that's what encouraged me to write the book. Follow what I talk about there. Yeah. Um, can you name some of the people that are uh, that have are they chapters in the book or that you've mentioned uh, extensively? I know I've, I've talked to a few people, uh, Hamish Gunning and Kyla, that you uh, you had talked to. Or oh, there are profiles. Yeah. Yeah, there are profiles on twelve former students. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to name them or uh, just well, to give some people interest in uh, possibly picking up the book or ordering it? Well, Hamish, is, of course, is in there. And Judith Malloy is in there. Michael Baker is in there. Colette Charity, who didn't go to Pleasant Quarters, but she's in there. And Nikki's in there. Mm-hmm. Great, there's, there's 12 of them together. I'm just trying to, to think right now off the top of my head. Stephen Martin is in there. And, uh, yeah. You're in there. I, I don't. I don't think I'm in the class of any of those uh, people you mentioned. Um, Andrew, Andrew. Andrew Allen is in there. Yeah. And then there are some profiles and some coaches. And, uh, yeah, I, I've covered pretty much everything that I did in my career. Yeah. And, uh, and what I taught, but a lot of what I write about in the book is about what I presented after I. Uh, retired from teaching, and I called the 50-minute program or presentation, The Masterpiece, The Last Wish, and The Greatest Gift. And um, in each of the chapters, whether it be on 
first part, there's five parts to the book. Part one is building foundations. There are, Joy Desjardins is another one that's in the book profile about building foundations. And uh, even though part two is on my family, there's still a part in there that is continuing to build, or what I call weave, uh, the principles or concepts that I taught to students. And in part three, it's about PCBS and teaching at Pleasant Quarters, but there are still parts in there. And then at the end of that chapter, it is entirely on intramurals and sports teams and articles from the review. And again, in part four, I add some more things into the masterpiece. And then I go into Titans basketball. Vicki Wilson is in that chapter as well. And uh, then I wrap up with the entire presentation that I did on the masterpiece, The Last Wish and the Greatest Gift. It's in there word for word. And I also, in part five, do a tribute to uh, elementary, uh, to uh, primary and kindergarten teachers. And I talk about the tremendous role that they play and that how often their work goes uh, underappreciated sometimes. And that because you're dealing with young kids, it must be an easy job. <clears throat> no, it's not an easy job. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, there is a table of contents on the website. Yeah, so you, okay. Um, so uh, if someone wants to buy your book, uh, how do they go about it? Well, they have to go to the website. Okay. So I only sell books that are pre-bought over the website. Okay. And that's the way it'll be until April the 30th. And then their books will be delivered in June. Okay, so you're doing uh, the deadline to uh, buy a book is April 30th. Do you know what the website uh, yeah, it's, address is? Yeah, it's all lowercase, uh, Sid McCallum, S-I-D-M-A-C-C-A-L-L-U-M, lowercase, dot, review shop, all one word together, R-E-V-I-E-W-S-H-O-P dot C-A. That will take you to the website. You can read about it by doing a few, few clicks here or there, and then you can place an order should you choose to do so. Good. And so that, that's going to be the first printing. Do you plan on doing a second printing uh, if things go well? or? Well, as I told Louise, book is, is about a book for myself, firstly. And for those that are interested in, in reading about some of the history of our area, our community, and particular Pleasant Corners Public School. Um, so the there will be probably a second reading or a second uh, opportunity. Uh, this are, these are what we call the early bird sales, $35 a book. And then starting on May 1st, I believe it is, is possible that uh, we'll have a second order, but it's $38. Okay. It'll be $38, and that could go, if it's planned, until August 1st. And after August 1st, the website comes down. There are no books to be sold. There are no books to be had. Yeah. It's kind of like a collector's uh, mm-hmm. edition. So that's that's good. Well, uh, I think that, that pretty much covers it. Um, I, uh, I really appreciate you sitting down with me and, uh, and talking. This has been our longest podcast I've had. We're almost at an hour and uh, 30 minutes there. So um, lots of stuff to cover. And uh uh, you were certainly a big influence on, on my life, um, and 
a lot of the stuff I'm doing with my own kids are, are stuff that I learned from you. So I just wanted to thank you for that. And um, it it, uh, it pains me that uh, I had such a uh, well structured childhood with uh, with sports and uh, and my kids maybe aren't going to have the same experience that I have. But I'm I'm doing my best to try and change that uh, with uh, some stuff that I'm working on. So hopefully we can. Uh, well, you were a, you were a positive participator. Uh, like you weren't a high jumper. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I I did get to ride an ambulance though on the uh, when I did try to do the high jump. So <laughs> I'm surprised you remember that. All right, well, thank you very much, sir. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. Well, you're very welcome. It was a pleasure being with you again. Okay. Thank you.